Glory to God. So we're going again to the book of Psalms, chapter 42. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, the entire chapter here. And I'm reading this one out of the New Living Translation on today. Amen. So Psalms 42, uh, 1 through 11, out of the New Living Translation. Amen. And it reads, for the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. It says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Verse 5, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult, the tumult, excuse me, of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day, each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Verse 11, he asks the question again. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Amen. Let's read one more passage this morning. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 going to verse 36, and I'm just reading verses 36 through 39, and this will be in the New King James Version. Matthew 26, verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which we know was James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Amen. If you'll give me your time and your attention this morning, I want to minister from the subject of Christian camouflage. Christian camouflage. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, this is the word of God, and we need you to make it plain to us. We can't understand it without you. And so we ask you now to infuse our hearts with your word today. Help us to receive and understand what thus saith the Lord on this morning. And we thank you so much for being our leader, our guide, and our comforter. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Christian camouflage. Amen. I, I, I like how the psalmist ended this uh, Psalms 42 verse 11. He says, why am I discouraged 
And why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You know, I've never really been comfortable with questions like this. Uh, I've never really been comfortable in evaluating emotions, you know, seeing what I feel and how I'm feeling. I've always felt kind of weak, you know, if we're expressing how we feel. I don't know how many of you have had that or feel like that sometimes. Like when you begin to express your emotions, sometimes it may sound to you like you're just you're just whining. You're just crying. You know, you're just a, a crybaby. You know, we don't want to tell people how we're really feeling. Amen. And, and sometimes, you know, we get this attitude, especially us Christians, we feel like, well, our feelings can't really be trusted. You know, I walk by faith and my spirit should dictate to me, to my mind on how I feel. You know, I walk by faith and not by sight. So what do we do? We bury our emotions. We bury our feelings. We ignore them and we put on what I like to call the Christian camouflage. We ask somebody or somebody asks us, how are we doing? And what do we say? I am blessed and highly favored by the most high God. I'm doing great. No issues, no problems, nothing's going on. Everything is well. Amen. It is well. I'm doing wonderful. And the truth of the matter is we're, we're angry. We're sad. We want to cry. The truth is we may be frustrated. We may be disappointed. We may be dealing with something. You know, we could also be elated. We also could be excited. We could also be anxious about something. And sometimes the truth of the matter is sometimes we just want to scream, you know. And the biblical truth, family, is that God gave us emotions for a reason. Amen. He gave us feelings for a reason. And throughout this sermon, I'm going to talk a little bit about emotions and feelings. And I'll use those terms interchangeably because they really represent a lot of the same thing. Our emotions are, let me define them this way, our emotions are the temperature gauge for our soul that informs our spirit what it is that we need from God. Let me say it again. Our emotions are a temperature gauge for our soul that informs our spirit what it is that we need from God. Ignoring our feelings, ignoring our emotions makes about as much sense as ignoring our temperature when we're sick. It makes about as much sense as driving in a car and seeing the temperature gauge tell us that our engine is about overheat and we just ignore it and keep driving on because we've got somewhere we need to go. It's telling us something. The gauge is telling us something. Our emotions are telling us something. And we have to learn as Christians to pay attention to what's going on inside with our emotions and our feelings and stop putting on the Christian camouflage. Denying our emotions is akin to denying reality. Let me say that again. Denying our emotions is akin or it's the same as denying reality. Amen. See, the thing is, when we acknowledge our emotions, we acknowledge our feelings and what's going on inside. Guess what? You can bring the kingdom to your reality. You can bring the word of God into your reality. But if you don't acknowledge your reality, then you're living in a fantasy world. Amen. And a lot of times, family, that's what we do as Christians. We put on this Christian camouflage and we feel like we don't have any issues. We don't have any problems. And somehow, if we don't acknowledge what's already going on on the inside, somehow it just won't be true. And guess what? That's not how this life works. Amen. That's not how we were designed. We are supposed 
to feel. We're supposed to feel. We're supposed to have emotions. Why? Because we were designed that way. Amen? And what I've come to find out is that when we get in touch with our emotions, we realize and learn how to gauge what's going on on the inside. Guess what? That's where we find God. God will meet us right where we are when we identify the things that are going on in our hearts. The Bible tells us that mercy meets truth. When I'm true with God, when I'm honest with God, when I'm open with God about what's going on now, his truth and his word can meet me right there. The Holy Spirit will help me to navigate that situation. But if I choose to to just ignore it, I ignore the gauge, I'm headed for a breakdown. Amen. I'm headed for a, to, to needing to be told by another Christian into a repair station. I'm telling you, God has given us emotions for a reason. And we have to learn to uh, be emotionally intelligent rather than emotionally ignorant. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but during this pandemic, we've all been experiencing a wide range of emotions. Some of us have been dealing with them. Some of us don't know what to do with them, amen? And some of us do what we've always done. We just kind of bury them, amen? But I'm telling you this morning, the Lord wants to use them. He wants to use your feelings. He wants to use your emotions. And it's incredible how much we can learn about ourselves. It's incredible how much we can learn about the love of God. It's incredible how much we can learn about life in general when we acknowledge where we are, what we're going through, and what we're feeling. Amen. So again, as I said, why emotions? Why talk about emotions? Why? Because we were designed to feel. We were designed to feel. Family, God is a person. He's not a human being, but he's a person. And he's a person with personal attributes. Guess what? God feels. He feels. God has emotions and he expresses them. Just like when Jesus was on the earth, he had emotions and he expressed them. Amen. And we, as being made in the image and likeness of God, that's why we have emotions. That's why we have feelings. And God wants to use those to teach us about himself and teach us about ourselves. Amen. So we've got to learn to get in touch with how we feel and what's going on on the inside. As I said, God has emotions. Let's look at some of some scriptures that talk about God's emotions, okay? And I'm just going to run through some of these. You can write them down as we go. We see in Genesis uh, 1.31, when God saw everything that he made, indeed it was very good. That literal definition means that he delighted in what he created. It said not only was it good, it was very good. God took joy and great delight in what he had made, amen? But then we see in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, we see that the Lord was sorry that he made man in, on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart because of the widespread sin and disobedience. He expressed that. Amen. Um, Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 tells us that God is a what? A jealous God. He experiences that when we turn our backs to him. He experiences that. And guess what? He comes after us. Amen. Jeremiah 31.3. Jeremiah 31.3 says this. He says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. God expresses his love towards us. Amen. I really love this one in Hosea chapter 11, verse 7. Uh, God is talking about the uh, nation of Israel. And he says, listen to this. He says, for my people are determined to desert me. My people are determined to desert me. They call me the most high, but they don't truly honor me. But look at what he says in verse 8. He says, oh, how can I give you up 
Israel, how can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Admor, demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me. My compassion overflows. So even when God was angry with this nation, he said, I can't let you go because I love you. Amen. And, and, and this is what we see. God's love being poured out. He experiences these emotions. He experiences anger. He experienced frustration. He experienced being grieved. Amen. With the hardness of heart when Jesus was on the earth. I remember the story where he was in the temple and they saw a man with a withered hand and they looked at him whether he would heal this man on the Sabbath. And the Bible says he was grieved by the hardness of their heart and healed the man anyway. Amen. But God experiences emotions. Jesus experienced emotion and expressed it. And we are made in the image and likeness of God. And we experience those same emotions. Amen. We're designed, created, and intended to feel. Amen. And when we deny the existence of our feelings, when we deny our emotions, we deny a part of us that makes us in the image and likeness of God. Amen. So we've got to learn again to get in touch and, and learn to manage. I'll say it that way. Learn to manage our emotions. You know, researchers categorize emotions into eight main branches, eight main branches. They are anger, sadness. You can feel that fear, enjoyment, love, surprise, disgust, shame, we can feel a wide range, and you might experience all of these or some of them in a day. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, but they're real. They're real, and they represent the real you in the moment that you are experiencing these emotions. And some of them, like anger and fear and sadness, are more difficult than to experience love or surprise or, or, or enjoyment. Those are the easy ones, but anger, fear, sadness, those are difficult to deal with. And sometimes we don't know how to manage it. Sometimes, family, we don't even know what we're experiencing. We just know that something is off. And when we don't take the time to identify what it is, we don't have a way forward. And when we take that time, God will help us to move forward. See, your emotions affect you whether you want them to or not. Your emotions tell you how you really feel. And, and let me say this too, your emotions tell everybody else how you really feel about something. Your, your emotions will inform your body before your mind even has a chance to catch up. Amen. You ever been in a conversation with somebody and their face scrunches up? Is that even a word? Uh, their face just kind of twists while you're talking to them. You don't have to ask them what's going on. You know how they feel. Because why? Their emotions sent a signal and said, hey, this is what I really think about that. Before their mind can even process it or have an opportunity to express it. You, sometimes we get butterflies. Sometimes we feel a flight or fight response, what we call it in the medical field, a, a surge of adrenaline. Amen. Sometimes we're talking to somebody or we get some news and our shoulders begin to slump. Right. We can't breathe. We feel palpitations. But what do we do? We put on a happy face and we play pretend. Amen. But God is calling us family to be real with him and to be real with one another. God uses our emotions again to teach us about ourselves, about him and about life and to help us grow and mature by responding to our emotions according to the word of God. Family, we shouldn't be led by our emotions, right? We shouldn't be led by our emotions. But at the same time, we should be informed by our emotions. Our emotions should tell us what's going on in the inner recesses and depths of our heart. We acknowledge what we feel, we categorize it, we give it a name, and then we respond to it biblically, spiritually. 
Amen. One of my favorite scriptures that uh, a lot of people like to like quote is Psalms chapter 4, verse 4. I'll read it from the New King James. It says, be angry and do not sin. And a lot of times we stop right there. We said, be angry and do not sin. Right. So it's not a sin to be angry. We're saying be angry and do not sin. Right. But be angry. It does, well, let me say this. It doesn't say be angry and say you're not angry. It doesn't say be angry and just say I'm good. That's that Christian camouflage. It doesn't say be angry and, 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 and well, what's going on? Nothing, 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 nothing. Family, when we do that, again, we're, we're denying what's actually there. Read the rest of the verse. It says, be angry and do not sin, period. Then it says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. It says when, you, when you're angry, don't go off and go sin out of anger. But no, stop and categorize it, catalog it, look at what's really there. You know, it would be foolish to feel the anger and act like it doesn't exist. That emotion is informing you that something is going on in your heart. You know, so it says meditate on it in your heart. Analyze the way that you feel and then respond. Adjust. Refuse to be offended. Swallow your pride. Forgive. Engage the one who offended you in a loving manner. Again, we act like it doesn't exist and we put on this camouflage. We get all sanctimonious. Everybody knows you're upset. Everybody knows you're angry, but we keep trying to hide it. Amen. And the enemy, of course, he knows and he just fuels the fire. But if we acknowledge it and say, you know what? I'm angry and I'm angry about this. I'm angry about what's going on. Then we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us to analyze it and respond appropriately. You know, we get upset and we say, okay, well, what is it that really happened? Why am I upset about this? Why am I angry? Okay, let, let's, let's look at this. How do, how do I know that that person really feels that way that, that made me angry? Sometimes we assume that somebody has done something or said something or feels a certain way and we get upset about it. Let's go back and stop and just take a minute and say, okay, God, how do I really know that they feel that way? And then ask the, the really good question, what would happen if I just let this go? What would happen if I just, if I just let it go? You know, Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 tells us, says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gifts there before the altar and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Sometimes we've got all this emotional stuff going on. We've got an audit against somebody and we haven't worked it out. We haven't talked to them, but we keep coming to worship. We keep bringing God these polluted offerings when we haven't done what he said to do. And God said it this way. He said, I've been telling you to get it right with your brother. I've been telling you to get it right with your sister, but you won't obey this verse. God, I'm telling you, there's some churches that shut down during this pandemic because of this right here, because we've got all these things going on and we won't take the time to really get it right. He says, OK, keep your offerings. Let's start working on you. Let's start working on our hearts. Let's start working on real relationships. Amen. And it's our emotions, the way we feel about things, the way we feel about life, the way we feel about things that happen to us that inform us what's going on in our heart and help us to get it together. Amen. Family, we need to deal with our emotions. Now, this doesn't mean that when I'm dealing with my emotions or I'm expressing my emotions or my feelings, that it gives me permission to just go and tell everybody off. 
That's not what this is about. Amen. Some you can't you may not be able to afford to give somebody a piece of your mind. You need that piece. Amen. It might be the only piece you got left. Amen. You need to hold on to it. Okay. Don't give somebody a piece of what you got. Husbands, this doesn't mean that when we're getting in touch with our, our emotions, this doesn't mean that we go and make our wives feel like horrible people because we held this in for, for so long. We make them feel so horrible while we pour out our list of grievances against them. That's not what I'm saying. Wives, at the same time, it doesn't mean that you acknowledge what a jacked up man your husband is because of his emotional immaturity, okay? His emotional ignorance. He can't express it adequately. That's not what this is about. And for everybody, it doesn't mean that you go to a friend and bash your other friend about the friend that you're upset with because it's going to come back around. You're going to regret it later. What we're, what we're saying is when we deal with our emotions, we deal with our feelings, the first thing we do is we deal with it internally. We deal with it internally. We take it to God. We deal with our reactions, our responses to situation or people, our responses to our past, our delays, our victories, our defeats, our successes, our failures. We go and we place them on the fire before God. We go before God and we ask God to deal with us. God, show me what's there. Why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like this? What are, what are my emotions telling me about what's going on right now? And then let God process you through that situation. Let me give you a what I would call a skewed example of Christian camouflage. We're going to go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to start reading here at verse 22. Now the story here is this is the story of the Shunammite woman who was um, God had put it on her heart to take care of Elisha. And every time Elisha would pass by, uh, she would see him. So she went to her husband and asked her husband, hey, let's build him a room and put a desk and a little lamp in there. So whenever he, and a bed, and whenever he comes by, he can turn in to the house and he can just rest there. He can do whatever he needs to do here. Let's take care of this man of God. And so they did that. And then one day the man, uh, excuse me, the uh, uh, prophet comes and, and looking at the woman, well, what is, what can we do for her? What, what do we need? You know, and they find out she doesn't have a child. He prophesies that she'll have a child and then uh, has a child about a year later. Now, as the time goes on, that child gets sick and dies. Okay. And, and we see when he, she died, now she goes and she goes to the man of God. I'm going to pick up here, verse 22, Second Kings chapter 4, verse 22. It says, then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and, and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Now her child has just died. So she is saying, hey, I need to get to the man of God. Verse 23. So he said, husband says, well, why are you going to him today? It's neither new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Amen. She says, it is well. She didn't get into the situation. She didn't go into it. She just says, it is well. Then verse 25, so she departed. She went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman says, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she says, it is well. So here in two instances, she uses this term, it is well. Amen. And a lot of times, family, this is where a lot of us stop. We have an issue. Something's going on. We've received a diagnosis. We've received some bad news. And our first confession is, it is well. But that's where we stop. Okay, that's where we stop. Now, she said that to her husband. She said that to the servant. But then she kept going. She kept pressing and got to the man of God. Okay, and, and, and the thing is, when she got to the man of God, then she poured out her heart. 
She poured out her heart. She fell. And, and this is, again, the man of God representing the, the presence of God or really represents the, the high priest of Jesus Christ, our mediator. Um, she falls before him and pours out her heart before him. But what we do, family, we use this wrong. We just say, it is well. We don't talk to anybody. We say, it is well. We don't take it to God. We don't pour out to God. And we just hold on to whatever's going on. And I think that's using it the wrong way. I think that's using it as a cover-up, as a fig leaf, instead of a declaration of faith. Amen. If we're going to say it is well, we should be intending to continue and take this thing to God. Not just that somehow, magically, everything's just going to change if I refuse to acknowledge what's happening. Amen. And that's what we do in a lot of our circles. But she got to the, the man of God in verse 27. She says, now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet and Gehazi came near to push her away. Now watch this. It says, but the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. See, she told who she needed to tell. She came to Elijah and she had to let him know. God didn't tell the man of God what was going on. Guess what? She had to. And sometimes we, we feel like, well, God should just let them know if there's something going on. God should just tell the man of God. God should just tell pastor. He should just tell first lady. No, guess what? Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to take your issue and bring it before the Lord and say, God, this is what's going on. I know you know already, but I'm hurting. I'm angry. I'm frustrated, God. I, I, I'm upset, and I need you to help me to get through what's going on. Amen. See, family, we follow the first part of it. We say it is well, but not the second. We confess it is well to everybody. And sometimes we do it to God. We go into the presence of the Lord. And we act like everything's OK. But he says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Family, God wants us to bring our feelings, our emotions. Guess what? He can handle it. He wants us to bring it to him and lay it down before him as an offering so he can deal with us and teach us about ourselves and what's going on. And we can receive and see the love of God. Let me show you a practical example, a couple of practical examples uh, about this. Let's go back to Psalms chapter 42. We're going to go back there. Uh, verse. I'm just going to start reading at verse 1 here. Just a practical example of how this looks, what this looks like. Okay, it says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taught me, saying, where is this God of yours? Look at what the psalmist is doing. He's acknowledging I'm in a tough spot. I acknowledge it, but I'm trying my best to keep my focus on God. That's a lot of us. Amen. That is a lot of us right now. We're in a tough situation. We've got all these emotions going on. We're angry, sad, depressed, anxious, and, and we just have to bring it to God. But we know he's our source. We know he's our refuge. We know he's our, our hiding place, our dwelling place. You know, so we don't try to medicate it with other things. We don't try to medicate it with other things for temporary relief. No, God, I've got to get to you. Look at verse four. He says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. He's stuck in the past. He's stuck in a situation. I remember when I didn't feel this way. I remember how I was before whatever happened to me, whether it was physical or mental or emotional. Something goes on in our life and it changes us. 
and we get stuck right there. He says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. And look at this. Even as it relates to this pandemic, we remember how it was when we got to go to church. We got to be with one another. We got to fellowship. There was like our release for the week. It was like our break to being able to be around the saints. Amen. He says, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of the Lord, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. And now he's not able to do that. He's down. He's feeling some type of way. Amen. But watch this. He began to ask some questions. Look at verse five. He began to ask some questions. Why? Am I discouraged? I remember the past. I remember how things used to be. But why now am I discouraged? What is this that I'm feeling in my heart? He says, why is my heart so sad? What's going on in here? And he began to ask these questions. And now he made a resolution. He says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. Look what it doesn't say. It says, I'm going to wait. And as soon as I get back into church, man, everything's going to be okay. As soon as I get through this situation, no, everything's going to be okay. No, he says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. In my time of discouragement, in my time of sadness, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to praise him in faith. Again, that's not the same as putting on a front. No, I'm going to praise God for his faithfulness. I'm going to praise God because he's good and his mercy endures forever. I'm going to praise God because he said that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I'm going to give him praise in advance because he is going to bring me out of this situation. Amen. This is what we call a yet praise. Glory to God. He says, now I am deeply discouraged in verse six. I am deeply discouraged. Again, he's acknowledging where he is, but watch what he says. I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Family, we have to be real with God. We have to be real with him. We have to bring our feelings, our emotions, our worries, our anxieties, our issues, our fears, our complaints. We have to be real with God and lay it all before him. Amen. But you can't be real with him if you don't acknowledge what's going on with you. You can't, If you don't acknowledge that I'm upset, you don't acknowledge, God, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm mad about this situation. If we don't do that, guess what? We don't get healed. We don't see the other side of breakthrough. Amen. He asked the question again, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Family, it's time to be real with God. It's time to be real with him, amen, to acknowledge what's going on in the inside of our hearts, to acknowledge the things that are going through our minds and bring that before him as an offering, amen. Let's look at how Jesus dealt with his emotional turmoil, amen. I don't know about you, but when somebody's praying in a place and they're under such great stress and weight that their capillaries begin to burst, the Bible says that Jesus sweat great drops of blood. Again, that's a medical situation where the blood pressure is so intense and there's so much stress that the capillaries actually burst and, and the sweat gets mixed in with blood from the extreme pressure and stress that he was under. How did he handle this? Let's look at this. I'm going to give you seven things and we're going to go. Let me give you seven little steps here before we go because family, Jesus gets it. Jesus understands. He gets it. Amen. He's been there. He knows what it's like to be in a situation like this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. It says, then Jesus came with them, talk about to his disciples, uh, to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. 
First thing is he came to a place called Gethsemane. Family, we will all come to a place called Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane literally means oil press. He came to a place, watch this, that was designed to crush him. It was designed to get the oil out of him, get the anointing out of him. And God will send us to such a place, amen. 2020 has been a place of a press, amen. It's been a place that has pressed us to get our faith out of us, glory to God. But Jesus set himself to seek the Lord. Family, we will all come to this place, amen. You have to recognize it. You're going to come to a place called Gethsemane. Number two, he determined to go to God for himself. He determined to go to God for himself. Verse 36, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. He determined, he said, I am going to God. I'm in this place. I'm being pressed. I'm going to him. I know where my help comes from. I'm going to God. Amen. He says, and you know, family, excuse me, when we're in a press, when we're in a situation where we're being pressed like this, prayer is the best thing that you can do in the press. Being alone with God. And sometimes it's not a whole lot of words you can say. Sometimes we acknowledge our feelings. We acknowledge our emotions. We know what's going on. But sometimes we just need to be in the presence of God. We just need to sit with him and let God minister to us. And sometimes it's just letting God sit with us in the situation. Now, he's not coming to throw you a pity party, but he will comfort you through the situation and show you how to move forward. Amen. But this is the time we have to be honest about what's going on. Number three, Jesus knew where he was emotionally. Jesus knew where he was emotionally. Look at verse 37. It says he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Jesus knew where he was. He didn't pretend like it wasn't going on. He didn't put on this camouflage and just try to hide it. No, he acknowledged it. He named it and he determined in his heart to have a godly response to it. Amen. Family, we've got to know where we are. We've got to allow our emotions to indicate what's going on on the inside and then determine to respond appropriately to it. Number four, Jesus involved the people that he trusted. He involved the people that he trusted in the midst of what he was going through. Look at this. Go back to verse 37. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which we know was James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed and talked to them about what was going on. He didn't hide it again. He didn't hide it before God. He didn't hide it with the people that he trusted. He said to them, verse 38, he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. Amen. These are the friends that Jesus had that had seen him transfigured. These are the ones that had seen him at his highest moment that were seeing him at his toughest moment. And he let them in on what's going on. Family, God has given us one another to confide in, to trust, to trust in, to pray with. Amen. To get through these tough times. Amen. We've got to involve the people that are closest to us, the people that God has sent into our lives for such a time as this. Now notice, let me say this here. Notice he didn't bring all the disciples. 
He didn't let everybody in. He said, hey, y'all stay here. I'm going over here. I'm going to go pray. He let them know, just like the woman, she didn't let the husband know what was going on at the time in this particular situation. She didn't let the servant know what was going on at the time in that particular situation. But she got to God. Amen. And she involved the one who knew how to get a prayer through. She involved the one who knew how to, how to get to God about what was happening with the situation. Jesus did the same thing. He didn't take all the disciples. He took those that were in his inner circle. I pray. That during this pandemic, God has helped you to see who your circle is. Amen. We talked a long time ago about upgrading your circle. I pray that God has showed you who your ride or die people are during this pandemic. I'm telling you, if there's some relationships that did not survive this pandemic, I, I don't know if, if I would be trying to go and, 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 and to revamp all of that. God moved them out for a reason. Amen. So, so those are the ones you stick with. Those are the ones you call. Those are the ones that you involve in what's going on. Amen. And so that was number four. He involved other people that he trusted. But then also number five, he took it to God. He went a little further. He prayed about it and he persisted. Amen. God, uh, Jesus was committed to being obedient in the midst of what he was feeling. Let's read a little bit more. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. It says he went a little farther and fell on his face. So once he he determined to go to God, he took people with him and then he went a little further and he took this thing to God. He, he uh, went a little farther. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Amen. So he goes and he takes it to God. He says, not my will, your will be done. And that's what we have to do. Our emotions are telling us something is off. Our emotions are telling us something's going on. Let's get to God. Let's figure out what this is. Nevertheless, Lord, whatever I've got to go through, whatever I'm dealing with, not my will, but your will be done. Family, that's how you get through tough times. You say, God, not what I will. Your will be done. Take me to your will. Take me to your desire and your purpose and destiny that you have for my life, God. Whatever it takes, get me through this time. But again, if we don't acknowledge what we're going through, we can't receive real help from God. Amen. Now, look at this. Jesus prays this first time and then he goes back to his friends. And guess what? His friends are sleeping. They are sleeping. You ask them to watch. And so point number six is when your friends let you down and sometimes your true ride or die people will let you down sometimes. But when your friends let you down, guess what? You go back to God. He went, to, he went to God. He prayed. He went back to his friends. His friends had kind of failed him in that moment. He took it back to God. He didn't stay there and get mad at them and upset and frustrated. He went back to God. But watch what happened. His prayer changed. His prayer changed from the first time to the second time. He went back to God and he says, Father, if it's, if it's not possible that this cup passes away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He, 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 he realized at that point between that first and second prayer, he says, okay, God, this is your will. So you're going to get me through it. If this is what I have to deal with, if this is the way I have to go, God, you're going to get me to the other side of this. Amen. And you've got to just stick with God. You've got to say, hey, you know what? God, it's all about you. I understand you've given me some people, but they're not God. The people in your life, guess what? They're not perfect. Even your ride or die ones, even the one that the Lord has shown you throughout this time that they are for you, that they are on your side, they're not perfect. And they may let you down. Amen. I wish they wouldn't, but they, they will. But guess what? God will not. He will not let you down. He won't let you fall. Amen. So you can go back to him and say, God, your will be done. Amen. Your will be done. Number seven, Jesus learned and matured 
by what he went through. He learned and matured. And I know that's, that's, that's weird to think about, but he learned and matured by what he went through. Amen. Let me show you this in the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. It's talking about Jesus as the high priest. Verse 7. It says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, talking about this time in Gethsemane, with, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Look at verse 8. Through, uh, excuse me, though he was a son, though he was a son, capital S, he was the son of God. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So acknowledging his emotions and taking it to God, he learned to be obedient by what he went through. But not only that, it says, verse 9, and having been perfected, that means matured. He matured. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Family, God allows you to see your emotions and, and acknowledge your feelings of what's going on so you can bring them to him so he can help you to get through the situation. You will learn obedience by what you go through and you will grow. You will mature. Amen. In God, by acknowledging what's going on with you. Amen. So I'm trying to bring this thing to a close. Listen, family, we've got to learn to take off the Christian camouflage. We've got to learn to, to get rid of it. It's not helping us. It's not helping us. Take the mask off. Amen. Again, I'm not saying be led around by your emotions, but I am saying let your emotions teach you. They are a gauge. Let them teach you about what's going on in your heart. Amen. Sometimes, man, we don't even know what we're feeling. Sometimes it's hard to even put a name to it. I just know something is off. Acknowledge that before the Lord. God, what is this? Why am I feeling down? Why am I feeling so anxious? And we don't have to do this in your prayer time. Do it throughout the day. Amen. When you're at work on your job and somebody changes your schedule and you get all bent out of shape, you get all anxious, ask God, stop it. Ask God, why am I feeling this way? Is it because I just want control? Is it because I'm being prideful? Is it God will, I'm telling you, he will show you things. He will teach you about you. And then he will allow you to give it to him and give you an appropriate godly response. Remember I said, this whole process is primarily internal. I'm giving you permission to feel. I'm giving you permission to engage with your emotions. I'm not giving you permission to go off on anybody. I'm not giving you permission to just bleed your emotions all over people and make them feel bad because you're feeling down. That's not what we're talking about, but it's an internal process. God, show me me. Show me what's going on with me. Amen. Give God room to help us grow. Amen. Family, we're going to come to this place called Gethsemane. Some of us are there right now. Some of us have been there since this whole thing has been going on. Amen. But we have to be like Jesus Christ. We have to determine in our heart to go to God for ourselves. Amen. Jesus knew where he was at emotionally. We have to know where we are emotionally. We have to engage in that. Amen. We have to involve people that we trust. Hey, I'm dealing with a situation. I am struggling right now. I need your prayers. I need you to come alongside and help me to get through this. Amen. And if they let you down, keep taking it to God. Be persistent. Go back to him. Amen. And, and continue to look to him and, and be willing to learn. Be willing to grow. Part of being willing to grow is acknowledging that we need to grow. Let me say that again. Part of, part of our growing and maturing is acknowledging the fact that we're not as mature as we think we are in some places. Amen. Acknowledging, hey, there's still some growing that I need to do right here. Amen. And acknowledging that before the Lord, it gives him room to be God to help us to mature. 
Amen. Jesus learned and matured by what he went through. Last scripture and I'm done. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, watch this, this high priest of ours, Jesus Christ, he understands our weaknesses. He understands where we are. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. When your world is turned upside down and your emotions are all over the place, take it to God. Acknowledge it. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to camouflage it. Don't try to dress it up like, like, like Adam and Eve did in the garden and try to cover things up with fig leaves so they can still seem presentable before God. No, take it to him. Be raw. Be open. Be honest with God. Amen. Involve some other folks that God has placed in your life and help you to get through what you're going through. Amen. Take off the mask. Take off the Christian camouflage. Let's be real with our God. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for making us in your image and in your likeness. And Lord, we, we understand that a lot of times, Lord, we don't...